Hey, Spielbees. We made it. We finally made it to the end of our four-part epic about Back to the Future. If you've made it all the way through, thank you. As always, if you want to listen to the full unabridged version, you can check that out at benviewnetwork.com slash back to the future. As with the last two episodes, I will issue a content warning. We really do get into the to the thick of it, the thick of the scenes in the film where some dodgy stuff occurs. We we talk about those scenes. So again, if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, maybe just wait till our next episode when we will talk about Ready Player One, which I'm certain will have zero problematic elements in it. Uh, that's a joke based on what I've seen people saying about the film so far. Although maybe, who knows, maybe it'll surprise me. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. We, we're, we're at the end here. You won't hear from me again at the end of this episode because we did our plugs already in the recording. Thanks for sticking around for the ride. scene now with George and Marty. Uh, George is like getting the laundry outside because it's yeah. the 50s and you don't have a dryer. <laughs> so George is like going with the plan. Explain. Okay, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to go be at the dance and then at blah 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 clock you guys will arrive. What are you guys going to be doing? Um, Well, something. We're going to be doing something. I'm going, well she's, you're going to come in and help because I'm going to do she's, something. She's going to get uncomfortable. And well, why would she get uncomfortable? Well, well, George, girls get uncomfortable when, uh, <laughs> and then this is weird. At this point, this scene is played so goofy, which is not great to watch given the context of what they're happening. Because it's like George says, "You're gonna touch her on her," and he's like holding yeah. a bra as he's doing the laundry, right? And it's just it's it's played so broad. And I think you know it's this weird thing where these were such a weird, horrible in a lot of ways fucking time where. I think it's played so broad because if they knew if you like stopped and look at this, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet it was also, it was, it was the eighties, which was a, a sort of time where you could just get away with this if you right. just played it broad enough. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it definitely it's super weird. It's super weird. Even beyond the super weird fact is that see the plan is I'm gonna, I'm gonna rape my mom, rape my mom. That is, that that's is the, Marty's that, plan. That's the plan. Hey Marty. Let's work on your plan a little bit. <laughs> like I know, I know the stakes are high. I yeah. know, like Doc has made some inclination that if you fuck this up, the universe could explode. Like that was definitely floated as a possibility at by the, Doc. At the minimum, your your existence yeah. is gone. Like the the that's be- the minimum. Best case scenario is you die. Yeah. If you like, you fuck this up. Best case scenario is you die. Yeah. And if um, not die, just erased. Yeah. From from ever existing. Let me ask you something, Justin. Yeah, sure. In your personal experience. Uh huh. Consequence wise, yeah, right. is you dying any better or worse than you being erased from history? Yeah, I think wor- erase of history seems like a little. Yeah, sad- it's sadder to me. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> My whole thing is like, well, in either scenario, it mm-hmm. means nothing to me because I will be gone. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like getting erased from history is a little better because then I wouldn't, you know, there would be no me to know what I lost. It's weird. 
I, I feel like I've had this talk before with somebody else, and it's definitely a concerning Doctor Who episode. But yeah. uh, I don't know. For me, I guess it's like uh, it's this. It's 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 there's some weirder tragedy of not existing here in my head. That's mm-hmm. for me. That's uh, that's my uh, 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 that's my personal. But do they not say it is better to have existed and lost? I don't than know. To have never existed. I guess that would prove your point. Huh? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Got trapped there. Anyway. So Marty is pitching this insane, in fucking insane plan. <laughs> and, you know, it's this weird thing where, like, you know, what we know about George so far is that he's a peeping Tom. Right? He sees Biff groping an unconsenting woman and says, look, that's what she wants. Right. And yet somehow in this scene, Marty leapfrogs over George <laughs> to become the worst person. Uh, a really impressive display from Marty in, yeah. in misogyny and, and, and just terrible, uh, being a terrible person. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the plan as a laid into action. Yeah. And the next scene is at the dance now. Little Night Train is the name of that song. I know from the Back to the Future soundtrack. Yes, it is a dance now. George is very awkwardly dancing by himself. Oh, it's... God, it's great awkward dancing. It is. I would argue it's if you have plans for awkward dancing, you look at Crispin Glover in this moment. And I will say, like, I sometimes find myself imitating George's awkward dancing. Just like if I'm like bored, like I'm waiting for someone somewhere, like it's just it's kind of a fun thing to do because it is such the perfect picture of awkward dancing. Is um, is the textbook definition yeah. of awkward dancing? We do get a, a there's a deleted scene here. I, I can't remember if they filmed it or not. I think they filmed it. I know mm. it was definitely in, in earlier versions of the script where part of the uh, drama came from. George was running late because some some bullies locked him in the bathroom stall. Right. Some non Biff bullies. But I think they lost it because it's like well it, that like the just progression wise that makes it very similar to the thing at the end with the clock towers. So right. It kind of made sense to cut it. But Marty and Lorraine are in the car. Marty is very shocked because Lorraine is sitting in a parked car with a boy. So she never did that. Which she specifically said she never did. Mm-hmm. She is drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. which she swiped from the old man's liquor cabinet. Which is also kind of interesting because then that's where Marty is starting to see the future of his mom's alcoholism. And, yeah. and maybe like, and that's why he grabs it. It's like, yeah. hey, you know what? Because he knows like that's a, that's a really terrible element yeah. about his mom now that he kind of if he can stop that now yeah if he can just nip that in the butt <laughs> grabs it but then also is so stressed out by this situation that he does take a drink as well <laughs> again it's weird it's yeah. weirdly under, i both understand both reactions yeah. I can, if i could stop this also i'm gonna do something so stupid i yeah. should probably take a drink and then she lights a cigarette <laughs> and props to leah thompson yeah that is a great teen who doesn't really know how to smoke lighting a cigarette because it's very awkward like just the way she holds the like the lighter and the yeah. cigarette it is it's a it's a really great performance moment yeah it totally is because it's yeah. it's it's this per- do you think lorraine is overcompensating everything in this moment a little bit yeah because like to her like the like, character is yeah 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 like yeah. that she's like i'm gonna look so cool she wants to look cool and adult yeah for this cool new boy in town calvin <laughs> klein yeah whereas marty is Rightfully re- reacting. Well, Marty is sort of like, oh shit, this is my plan? <laughs> this is not a good plan. What's also kind of great too is with the moment where he's like going like, you smoke too? And she's like, jeez, you're trying to sound like my mother. The, the kind of like- a little role reversal. The, the, not yeah. just role reversal, yeah. which it is, but yeah. the, the amount of, the way that Michael J. Fox sells that reaction yeah. is this like, I have so many things I have to figure out in my brain <laughs> yeah. right now. Too many things, because it's like it's just a tidal wave mm. of 
shit he just found out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and like the fact that his own mom called him a square in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. It's just him going, what's that? What's that? To... <laughs> it's a great little bit of performance too from Michael J. Fox because like all these things are going on like, like he's like, fuck, what am I doing? I can't do this. Fuck, my mom is, she lied about all these things. And then a little, I think a little bit of him is like, fuck, I just got fucking burnt. <laughs> I just got burnt by my mom. mom. I just got owned. <laughs> there's uh, a, there, I know there's a deleted scene earlier in the movie that I only seen is, is, is a shot of Marty kind of like checking in on class, just sees his mom in a class, but then sees that his mom is cheating. And I understand why that was cut out. But yeah. I kind of like that, like, that's kind of the other kind of fun thing about the movie is yeah. the idea that like, you set your mom up again, set up and pay off, right? Yeah. So it's like, even if like the big thing is like, Marty created skateboarding, Marty yeah. like helped create rock and roll, which I'll get to. We'll get, we will get to we'll that. We'll get to that thing in a moment. Why that's yeah. problematic, but I will get to that. We'll get to that. But it's like, yeah, we'll get to it. But also, I like the fact that like, wouldn't it be funny if if the mom acts cooler than the son? And then it's like, okay, how do we do that? And again, the idea is like, we well, set up the fact that the mom is super conservative in 1985 yes. and she proclaims that this is who she was the payoff is no she yeah. was just as screwed she up fucking, as you she fucking likes to party yeah <laughs> and again also this one this scene doesn't really work in a in a reality where like marty sells drugs and porn no no no, no exactly that's yeah. why the marty we got here is so much better for this scene yeah it's like yeah it's like he's He's a cool kid, yeah. but he's not like a dirty kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a cool kid who Nancy Reagan also thinks is cool in this version of the film. That's fair. <laughs> so that this is all going on. And then they do a kiss. Somehow Marty's surprised. Somehow it's a surprise. He's not so into kissing his mom <laughs> in, a, in a romantic sexual way. Um, Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. And Lorraine's not into it either. She says, like, kissing her brother. And we get a, a nice little wink and nod because we know she's kissing her son. Yeah. <laughs> God, this, it's really. It is a testament. I do love this movie. <laughs> and it is a testament because when you are forced to sit down and look this scene in the eye, <laughs> it's so fucking gross. It's gross. It's weird. Yeah. And I can't believe that it works. <laughs> Like, it's like, here's the thing. I can't say it's terrible, but it's this weird case of like, I bought it for most of my life. For most of my life as well. And I think, again, that's in the performances. Yeah. Because the, the Back to the Future script is, is sort of like, it's a perfect script from, from the perspective of a robot, you know? Uh, Where like, uh. structurally, it's so perfect. And they're always like, you know, I was just talking about the brilliant ways it sets up and pays off stuff. Right, right. And yet, when you look at it from the perspective of a human being, it's like, no, this is not how humans, this is not well, how humans work. Well, no, it is a thing. And it's, that's where it falls to the actors who I think do such a good job of selling it. Yeah, no, agreed. No, it's weird. It's, it's a case of like, I will, de- you know, like uh, it's, I, it's weird. I won't defend the stuff that we're talking about. It's, it's funny yeah. that we always refer to it as, listen, I still love the movie. Yeah. I, it's almost like I'm, 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 I'm telling the audience, like, don't start attacking me yeah. for calling these things out. It's still a movie I adore and love and will probably once again watch 80 more times in my lifetime. (laughs) Yeah, same here. But there was a thing where it was like questioning things and asking the right questions of what is is, or or things that like, listen, that doesn't age well. That doesn't age well. That's kind of weird. And I think for me, it's not so much like for me that I when I say it works, it's not saying like I approve of what they're doing. But the magic trick that they did pull off is not making you overthink the moment. The moment you're thinking is just how does Marty ensure that this plan works? They pull that off. You're worried about that. 
it is when you squint and take a magnifying glass and see the DNA of the plan mm. of how it's working, then you do kind of not question the structure because the structure is perfect, but you do question, oh, right, 1985. And these are two white males who wrote the script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not hard to deny that. It really isn't. <laughs> so Marty and Lorraine are sort of having this moment where they realize maybe they should not be kissing each other. Right. <laughs> um, and saddle up. Because mm-hmm. it seems about to get a lot worse. Because <laughs> who shows up but Biff? Drunk. Drunk Biff. Yeah. With, the, with his toadies behind him. Biff's having a rough night. And he's drunk. And, well, the scene implies something far worse. I mean, he's 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 there to rape Lorraine. That's, no, that's not sure. That's no, what that's, what that's what he's there doing. to do. Yeah. And he's, he's specifically got his friends to guard the car. Yeah. God, it's so bad. I mean, I guess I'm, what you could say is that at least Biff is portrayed as a villain, but it's it's still really like gross and exploitative and, and yeah, some of these weird no, gender it, violence used as it's sort of it's it's bad. It's a thing that like sadly like sadly that's so too prevalent in genre fiction. Yeah, uh, genre film specifically is the idea of of implying some sexual harassment, some sexual rape, and just like the idea of using that as a uh, especially towards women characters. Yeah, as a as just a plot device. As a plot device. Yeah. As, the reliance of that is mm-hmm. is definitely to the point. Uh, I would, I was, I'm definitely at my end of it. Yeah, where I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't need to see a character go through that. I hate that's your shortcut for women characters. And and the fact of the matter is, like, 19 again, Back to Future isn't the leader of using those examples, but, but it was it, certainly one of them. And it was certainly prevalent of so many movies yeah. that they felt like, well, this isn't a bunch of other stuff. This is just, it's you know, it's not a big deal. We put it in our film. Now, and this, we are really in the danger zone because, uh, so Marty gets taken away by the, the toadies, uh, and thrown in the back of a car. And now we, 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 we are introduced to Marvin Berry and the, I believe Starlighters is the name of the band. But what are they doing in the, they're, uh, they're smoking weed. A lot of it. Yeah. A lot of weed. Yeah. Uh, a Cheech and Chong amount of weed. Yeah. The smoke is coming out of the car. This is, and again, this is where it gets into that weird 80s portrayal of 50s racism. Yeah. Where it's portrayed as existing, but not being too huge a deal necessarily. Right. Biff's gang, they they throw out some racial slurs Mm -hmm. at the band, and then the band scares them off, which is, it's this weird idea of like, um, the sort of aggressive, frightening black man is is the idea at play here that it's, I I don't know, I'm not super comfortable with it, and it's used here. Yeah. Yeah. but you no, know, the issue, of course, is that Marty's stuck in the trunk, yeah. in which uh, one of the guys realizes the key is still in the trunk with Marty. As Marty points, like the keys are here. Yeah. <laughs> also, once again, I want to point out. So, based on what we know on Back to the Future Part Two, Strickland is going around busting Biff for drinking alcohol, but is apparently totally cool with the band getting high in their car because he knows they're not doing anything. Yeah. Once again, Strickland's the hero. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Marty's like, "Oh, the keys are in the trunk," and they're like, "Well, that," and then he says, "Say that again." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they have to sort of. Uh, he uses like a knife to open the trunk. Yeah, yeah. Which it's it's a it's a curious bit of film trickery where it's like he opens a trunk and cuts his hand with the same instrument. Right. And I don't understand how that works. <laughs> I don't understand the mechanics of that at right. all. But it, it's they they have two goals. Marty needs to get out of the trunk. Uh, Marvin needs to not be able to play guitar. So they kind of just do some film trickery, but like a uh, sharp open hand cut. Do, do you have any other interpretation of that moment? No, nope, no, that's it. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's one of those like I buy it. Yeah, I buy it too. But yeah. it is, it's one of those. Where I think about like, wait, well, what was he doing with that trunk? Yeah. While that's happening, George realizes it's his cue. 
Yeah, or in the original version, George finally gets out of the bathroom stall. <laughs> um, so George runs out, and he's ready to play... Like, play the hero to Marty's heel. Yeah, only to realize Uh-oh. Biff's in there. And... and this... God, the way they shoot this scene is... Mm. It's way too real. It is like the yeah. one where it, it take I'm watching it now. It takes me out of the movie. Okay, because it's like, oh, this is like I'm. This is not. This is not a. This is not a fun heroic moment for George. This mm. is. This is just horrible. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really that I have much else to say about that. Well, scene. I mean, basically, yeah. It's like it's. Um, we're talking about the straight up punching. No, thing. I'm talking about the the shot of the mm-hmm. rain in the car. Like we can kind of see up her dress a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's like, George, help me. Right. That moment to me is just, I, I don't know. It, it is, it's so not a fun movie at that point. Sure, sure. When, and that's what this is supposed to be, is a fun movie. Right, and right, right. I, I, it, I don't know. That moment's really not great. Right. No, that's fair. Again, no fighting that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not so here, that doesn't mean, and I'm not here saying, it's like, see, it was fun for me. It's like, yeah. fuck no. Yeah, <laughs> but that, yeah, this is, yeah, this kind of leads into the, like, George basically decided, like, to stop, try to stop Biff as best as he can. And you know, there's a moment where he almost walks away. Yeah. But then he sort of he finds his courage. Lorraine does try to help a little bit too. Yeah. To try to get Biff off of George, but then like Biff pushes Lorraine to the ground. Yeah. And that is actually just enough of hurting Elaine. Lorraine. Uh, uh, Lorraine, I'm doing it. <laughs> See, we've been recording for a while. And we, we're at three hours and twenty two minutes not, right now. Not shocked. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's warm. So it is warm. It's Even, cold outside, but it's because freezing. the window is shut for sound purposes, it is warm in here. It is actually raining outside. I found out. Oh, is it? And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm surprised. I am, I'm a little warm in here, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying Lorraine, Elaine. Yeah, I apologize. So yeah, the, but that's just enough to hurt Lorraine. That's when George, like, kind of finally, like, just tightens his fist and does one big old swing, one wallop, one wallop, one yeah. punch to, mm-hmm. to to knock out Biff. Back to kind of going to a cartoony mode, and everyone else kind of caught that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, cool, cool. And so and this is this is also when like finally Marty runs over, sees that it happened, and it kind of happened without him. And in, in a way, that's while the situation's still weird and gross in every fashion. The, the fact that it kind of is It makes sense as the character of like George has to do this for himself. Yeah. It can't be it can't be like all set up by Marty. Yeah. And I even though I can question all the things around it, that's at least important to point out. That 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 big bobs <laughs> yeah. knew that like it couldn't be a manufactured reason for George and, and Lorraine to be together yeah. in some fashion in that regard that George had to finally get some kind of confidence in himself to stand up to Biff before, you know, until, you know, so that uh, in a way to stop to, yeah. to ensure that Biff doesn't, doesn't Which, be, doesn't keep that life with George for the rest of their lives. Which I, it does also lead into, um, a moment where one of the, I think one of the very few issues I have with the film that is not based on something problematic is mm. just, I think was a, maybe a slight misstep. They kind of double dip on that moment. The the guy on the dance floor. Yeah. And we'll get to that really quick. Cause I'm, I'm actually with you on that one. So Marty runs back to the band says, yeah. cool, great. You got to go back in there. And- well, Cause he realizes the picture that they're still disappearing. Yeah. So he knows like, the band has to still be there to make with the cool music. And because that's specifically part of their story is that they kissed during their first dance. Right. And the band's pointing out like we Lost like, our look at my hand. Yeah. I'm the main guitar player. I like. What do you want us to do? Yeah. So what do you well, like? Unless He's you like, know somebody who knows how to play and, guitar. Yeah, it is that classic movie setup. A little like unless you know where to find a guitar player right now. Right. At this moment. Yeah. At this hour. At this time of night. How could you? <laughs> but of uh, course we know Marty plays guitar. Exactly. Yeah. And no, again, setup. So for Marty to play music like this at the end of the film, we have to establish that Marty can play music and at all. Specifically, Marty was auditioning for a high school dance at this so, high school. And that is kind of the thing too, right? Yeah. Is that like. 
he is still fulfilling the thing he wanted to do. Yeah, which it's, was play at the high school dance. Yeah, except it's, you know, it's wrong decade, not yeah. wrong band, wrong music. Yeah. But hey, he's not in the mode of thinking like that. Yeah. He's trying to play just to ensure that's enough to, to maintain the timeline. Yeah. So they're on stage. They're playing Earth Angel. Lorraine and George are dancing. And then Marty's hand starts disappearing. Now, this scene has always really bothered me because so his hand starts disappearing. And then we see it's because some character we've never seen before. A in the new film. bully. And I think this was the same one who locked him in the bathroom in the earlier version, okay. to be fair. But he wants to cut in and Marty's disappearing because this new bully is going to fuck things up. Mm-hmm. And then George says, hey, actually, back off. And shoves him to the ground and dances with Lorraine. And then that's when Marty comes back. Right. Here's what bothers me. So because the time travel didn't play into that at all. So why is Marty disappearing? Because he only disappears when specifically time travel cuts it off. And time travel had nothing to do with this one. So it makes no goddamn sense that he would be disappearing. Uh, explain it. It sounds like you're going to try to explain this to me, Justin. Well, I, here's I, the thing. I double dogged Here's the funny thing. I have a problem with that yeah. scene, but it's not for time travel reasons. No, I also have the problem that I think you're going to say. Okay. I separately have that issue. Okay. Well, for the time travel, I have zero answer for that. I have no idea. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You know, for whatever rules they set up, yeah. uh, it doesn't make any it, sense. It breaks the rules they established. Which... Yeah. Because so you, you know what I'm going to bring up. Yeah, and I also agree with this, which uh, is they're they're double dipping they're on double, the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't. It does. It's a character that kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, you've already done this scene. Yeah, you literally just did the scene. Yeah, like literally, this was the last scene you did. And also the fact that like, why does George walk away and then come back this time? Because the other time at least made sense. We saw the moment. We get why. Mm-hmm. Here it almost comes out like George walks away almost just to still pull the tension. Which I get. That's exactly why George walked away. Exactly. And that's and don't get me wrong. The tension's still there. You know, I actually really like when you know Lorraine's screaming like George, George. I like that Marty's just crouching over, hunched over, yeah. and just like, like yeah, you're hearing like death, almost like like he's losing breath. It's like mm-hmm. George. Yeah. It's like it's actually kind of good. It's actually yeah. that stuff is great. And then of course the the still chintzy. Yeah. But hey. I still like it. The yeah. shot of his hand disappearing. If I think they wanted that shot, and that's why they put this in. Well, they, they wanted that shot and that tension. And I think those stuff overall works because, like you keep bringing it up, performance. Mm-hmm. Michael's J. Fox's performance is great. The autonomous performance is really good, again. But mostly, this is about Michael J. Fox proving that he's layoff characters look like he's going to be erased from existence. That's great. Yeah, though, but it does... It's double-dipping. And yeah. that that will... Even when I was younger, I never understood that. Yeah, it's and it's it is a weirdly out of place moment because it in a movie that is so flawlessly structured otherwise, yeah. it doesn't make sense to have you know the same scene play out twice in a row. Yeah. It doesn't make sense from a character perspective. And from the literal like rules of the universe they've established, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like it there are three different ways it doesn't make sense. And I think it they, they just wanted a little bit more tension and yeah. I think they had some cool ideas with like the hand of spring shot. Like they had all this cool stuff they wanted to get in. So they kind of threw this in. For a film that has so many things that work, even despite some of the things that don't age well, mm-hmm. overall, for a film that works, this is always the bit that I will admit to going, this is the one misstep that really actually is sort of weird and yeah. doesn't flow with the rest of it. Like, there's still good, good to great things about this moment. But Marty bounces back. Because George comes back and it pushes out a dude, yeah. random dude out of the way and goes back to dancing with Lorraine and then going for the kiss. And in a cool kind of use of reverse footage, Marty then springs back up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. And the picture is fully is full and, and then his, his brother and sisters are back. So Marty's got to go. He's yeah. got to get to the DeLorean. But mm. Marvin's like, come on, stay, play one more song. Play something that's really hot. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Marty's like, well, I think I got an idea. Right. 
So this, I guess this is my other complaint that's not due to problematic stuff. Marty starts playing Johnny Be Good. Marty starts playing Johnny Be Good. Right. Michael J. Fox does not start <laughs> singing Johnny Be Good. Very, very obviously not Michael J. Fox is singing Johnny Be Good. It's a combination yeah. of lip singing's okay. <laughs> Voice choice is super raw. <laughs> so it does not sound anything like Michael J. Fox. I think that's what always breaks the mold for me, too. Yeah. Is that it never sounds like you got a singer that sounds like that's Michael J. Fox's singing voice. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> very jarring. It's very jarring. It is the one other thing that I, I'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. The stuff with the extra bully, yeah. I will always say, I will always stand by, that's the one thing that doesn't work and I won't, and I can barely roll with that. This is like, it's, like, it's not him, but I'll roll with it. Yeah. I get the moment they're trying to do. Like Henry, you can roll with me. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a song called Roll With Me, Henry, I, earlier in the film. It's I, when they're in the diner and he gets did. the chocolate milk. Roll with me, Henry. Um, <laughs> but let's let's talk about... And let's talk about Johnny Be Good because there is more to talk about here. There is another problematic thing that ages kind of And here's the weird thing the about this one. Yeah. It's like, when you think about it in this story, it is... Theoretically not problematic, but it's problematic because the intent is clearly there. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the intent is to say Marty invented rock and roll. This white right. kid invented rock and roll. Yeah, within the story, that makes no goddamn sense. Right, because by the time Chuck Berry would be on the phone, <laughs> Marty's doing his like jackass Van Halen guitar solo thing. Right, there's no way he could have heard it. A and B, obviously Marty got it from Johnny from uh, Chuck Berry. Right, so it's like this weird thing where like, oh, like it's like. I mean, it is a little racist, yeah. but it's like it's racist because they were trying to be racist and then it didn't make sense. Right. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know, worse. Like it's 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 such an odd scene. It's a thing where it's like back in 1985, that was a cute joke. That's the thing, right? Yeah. That to them was a cute joke. And for 30 years, probably less, to be fair, it was a cute joke. Yeah. Until somebody started really putting the two to you together and realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. The movie is wait. saying a white kid invented rock and roll. Wait, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the thing, too. It, it's funny because I realized, like, now, just now, mm-hmm. I realized because of that scene is probably the reason why Zemeckis was gravitating towards Forrest Gump. Because... Where, in, where, in which a white person invented everything. Well, no, exactly. No, like, Forrest Gump... I'm not here to criticize Forrest Gump. I, I can be... I, you want someone to criticize Forrest Gump? We have so much right more here. movie to talk about with this one. I gotta focus. Forrest Gump <laughs> is one of the biggest fucking pieces of shit in the world. I hate it. I don't understand how people like it. Fuck that movie. Okay. I'm not gonna say anything to add to positive because we have so much more to talk about and it's a three-hour episode. Yeah. But I will say... Oh, that, honey, we're way past three hours at this listen, point. Listen, I'm trying to be real. Listen, I'm trying to be... I'm just trying to get this through. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like, I realize, like, right now, oh... Because that's the thing that him and Bob Gaywer were like excited about. Like, what if Marty came up with this? What if Marty came up with that? Yeah. And the funny thing is about the movie doesn't really rely on the idea that Marty invented skateboarding or, yeah. real, or Marty invented rock and roll. It's everything else around it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Forrest Gump is entirely reliant on the idea yeah. that Forrest did this, invented this, accidentally created this, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's the whole movie. God, I hate that movie so much. <laughs> Regardless, I realize right now, like, oh, that's, is that a reason why? Zemeckis was kind of drawn the force. Yeah, yeah, perhaps that, that kind of answers some questions. Um, there's also there, just as I will say this. So that, this moment, it 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 comes from this weird, I would say, racist instinct. But again, it doesn't really make sense story wise. But then also the other thing is just from from like a purely meme perspective. Yeah, a character named Marvin Berry saying, "Chuck, Chuck, this is your cousin." Marvin Berry, <laughs> you know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. 
That's very fucking funny. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, it's, I don't know that it's funny in the way they intended necessarily, yeah. but just it's so fucking goofy. It's it's almost like the whole point of him doing it like that yeah. was that they wanted to make sure the audience got. They the were joke. really hitting it home. It's yeah. Like we just to be clear. Yeah. He's talking to Chuck Berry. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you? Because the reality of that line is, it's your cousin, Marvin. Marvin, Marvin Berry. Why would you ever refer to your last name to your cousin? <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't. But they it's want you. So silly. They want you, the audience, to make sure that this is Chuck Berry. He's talking to. Yeah. <laughs> Very awkward. It's super goofy. Yeah. I, I, it's still funny. Yeah, no, he does the thing. He mm-hmm. does. He does. He does play Johnny B. Good. You know, and then everyone's everyone's getting all hopped up. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting all teamed up, sexed up. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and Marty gets full too into it. Yeah, Marty gets two eighties because also you know, and I think that's something that I feel like as a musician you should learn when to stop and when to you know, know no, the song because mm-hmm. why are you doing that to Johnny B. Good? You moron! You fucking dick! <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. You did, to be fair, it's the same thing he did to Power of Love at the start of the film. Yeah, but I guess that's the reality of us believing that's his song. Or at least a song from the 80s. And like, I guess so. Even yeah. though he, doing that to a Huey Lewis song, even if it's never in can it's never been specified if he wrote the song in or he's canon, doing yeah. a cover of a Huey Lewis song. Yeah. But regardless. But still, like, I mean, if we're not taking into account like the question of like respect for the material, it's in, in the power of love. It's like a weird, shitty choice for that song. No, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would say the same is true of, of him doing this in Johnny B. Good. Agre- agreed. No, just that this is not the song. These are not songs to do what you're doing no <laughs> so he does like a weird crazy guitar solo and he fucking kicks over the amp like he's in the who or something yeah, yeah. he realizes he went too far yeah guess you weren't ready for that <laughs> but your kids are gonna love it <laughs> goes down leaves and then we get one more scene with lorraine and uh, george and marty i like the scene a lot even Same. though it, it does kind of bring up the question of like you're definitely setting them up to remember the fact that there was a dude named Calvin Klein that looks exactly like your son Marty does now. But I think it's it's just sweet enough that I'm willing to sort of forgive it of that. It, no, I agree. It's funny because if you think about how Marty talks, their Marty's relationship with both his parents in this film in the past, there isn't a ton of scenes in which Marty's like really close to George. There isn't a ton of scenes where Marty is talking to Lorraine and it's not something weird and sexual on yeah. her as well. It's weird. It's like, it's a, it's a case where it's like, I would argue there could have been a version of this movie where Marty does in fact have real scenes of talking to his parents as teenagers and got a better chance to really know them as people. That's not this movie though. And I'm okay with that. I, don't, I didn't ask for the movie to be that. But there is something interesting in fact that this scene plays off the idea that he's kind of had a week with these two. And I think it does work because of the sweet, like you said, the sweetness and the earnestness of it. Mm-hmm. And the idea that like, George and Lorraine are really comfortable with each other, with themselves. And yeah, like here's this weird kid that came to their lives and he's basically saying, I'm out. And if you happen to have kids in the future, be nice to that kid. If he does something if he really stupid. accidentally lights the carpet on fire when he's eight years old. It's interesting that Lorraine will remember the name Marty. Yeah. Here, but mm-hmm. not really. Because when we go back, we'll, we'll go to that scene later. But yeah. It is interesting that like Lorraine will for some reason will always be remembering the name Marty. I also I will that Crispin Glover is doing an interesting performance thing here where um did you ever have any friends in high school that mm. were like Eagle Scouts? And so they thought they were they thought of themselves as grown-ups, even though they were still just high school kids like the rest of you, and they just oh, had a certain yeah. way of acting. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Eagle Scouts or like, you know, 
maybe they were very religious. There's a certain type of, of, of nerdy boy specifically yeah. that as a senior in high school thinks he's an adult <laughs> and, and talks like that. Right. That's exactly what George is doing in this scene. <laughs> He gives them a big old handshake. Yeah, exactly. Because that is that's confidence times nerd equals yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, it is a pitch perfect performance of that from from Crispin Glover here. So I, I wanted to highlight that. That's a good point. That's yeah. it's very true. Because it's like it's the firm handshake, and there's just a specific tone of voice yeah. that that kid always has, <laughs> and he's def- George McFly definitely has that in this scene. Right. No, because he has it now. Yeah. He's like I've I've gained, sir. You and know? you can see how it transitions into the 1985. A George McFly, mm-hmm. who is a sort of tip typical like rich eighties, yeah, asshole. It's interesting. You're right, though. That is the first sign, yeah, that that's the guy that George will grow up to be in this yeah. one quick moment. He's already stopped being the oh hey in this moment because yeah. we've seen him grow out of that. Mm-hmm. Here it works. So back now, uh, we go to one of my favorite gags with Doc mm-hmm. is that he's looking at his watches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn, dun dun, well, damn. damn. Dun dun, damn, 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 damn. (laughs) Marty comes back. Um, At some point in here, Marty is in Lou's writing on Lou's stationery, which I brought up earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, The note to Doc that he's gonna, the letter he's gonna give him. I think he writes that letter before he leaves for the dam because, uh, yeah, that Doc's already setting up his weather experiment. Oh yeah, and there's a moment there too, which I think has confused a lot of people, and it confused me a few times where. Uh, the, so the police officer is like, oh, you got a permit for this weather experiment? Mm-hmm. And then Doc says, yes, let me find it. And then we cut to a shot. That's when Marty slips the note into his pocket, actually. Right, right, right. Um, and I think it's it's really confusing. It's, it's kind of this weird moment where he's like, yes, let me find my permit. And I mm-hmm. think it's a little ambiguous, that scene. But my interpretation has always been, because he takes out his wallet, yeah. he's bribing the cop. That, uh, that has always been my interpretation. But sure. Some people, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily super clear. It, it's not because it's, it's so far into the background and out of focus and yeah. out of focus, and you're more focused on Marty. Marty yeah, yeah. But I think you're, yeah, that's exactly. But what I also, mean. I kind of like the way that suddenly plays out, where where Doc <laughs> is just like, "Yes, let me find my permit," and wow. he goes to his wallet. Um, oh, look at that! It's yeah. five permits. Yeah. <laughs> I got this permit signed by President Jackson personally. Well, that sounds very legit. Yeah. <laughs> he puts it in his pocket. So Marty comes back. He's also now out of his like dance gear, and he's back to wearing what he wore when Ooh, he left. He doesn't want to go back to the eighties in that zoot suit. <laughs> Priorities, Marty. <laughs> I also feel like 50s nostalgia was a thing in the 80s. Like, I feel like in certain crowds, that would have been a cool look in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, happy days and shit. Yeah. But, but anyway, I guess not not to, not to cool Marty McFly. It also yeah. was not a zoot suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, getting set up, getting to, getting to DeLorean ready to go. Doc's saying everything should be good. He's setting the time up again. This time, making sure that it's going to be 10 minutes yeah. before, uh, no, exactly when Marty left. Uh-huh. So as if he was never gone. Here we go. Cool. Marty gets into the car and you know they actually do actually Marty does one more big hug to Doc and I love this hug. It's a very nice hug. It it'll 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 choke you up even. Yeah, no, and he hugs and it's in for for Doc is like it's gonna be crazy. He's like, I, I won't be able to talk to you about this for 30 years. Well, or like two minutes, yeah. as we know in part two and three. Yeah. And for Marty, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I hope to see he's being very much like. I hope to see you then. Yeah. It's super heartbreaking. Yeah. Because he knows what's going to happen. So Marty gets in the, into DeLorean and that's when Doc discovers the letter. And tears it up. And tears it up. And he yeah. points out again, time, space can continue. Paradox now do. Now, super important detail about this moment. For years, it took me a while because I haven't, it, there was a period where I didn't watch it every year. Yeah. <laughs> so for a while, I did think the letter 
misremembered the letter flying into the air. Makes sense, especially because yeah. the wind, yeah. etc. But yes, if you in fact do watch the scene, Doc actually doesn't throw the letter away. He does put it in his pocket, even after it's ripped up. Mm. He does. That is it, an important detail. It is yeah. very quick, but he does do it. So anyone who thought that's bullshit, how do you? Th-? No, no, no. Yeah. The pieces, the letter pieces were still shoved into his pocket during this entire scenario. Mm. So they are there. That explains how he still has it. In 1985. In yeah. 1985. So now comes no simple way of putting it for me. Masterful work on yeah. this finale. It's very good. It's practically. Fudge the timing a little bit, I will say, because it's like. Yeah. Doc says, I've perfectly timed this so that you'll have enough time to get to 88. And then the car stalls out and it takes more like an extra 20 seconds. Right. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It shot so good and cut so good and scored so good. Yeah. Who fucking cares? Except for me, apparently, in that moment <laughs> when I just brought it up. When you when you watch the movie over 100 times, eventually you're going to find some sort of little thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it works so well in the moment. It's perfect. Yeah. It is perfect in every fashion because mm-hmm. of the fact of, like, what's the drama? Both guys have something wrong happening to both in, in their sides. And their hope is that the other one's got their shit together. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's so great about this, this sequence. Is like, and that's also why they, that's how they line up perfectly. Yeah. If, if one of them did have their shit together, they would be there too soon. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's like, that's kind of funny about that. Yeah. And it's this perfect structure. And like I said, the whole point of the diorama scene earlier is much mm-hmm. like a heist film. You see how the plan is supposed to go perfectly. Yeah. Now let's see how everything went wrong. The DeLorean won't start. The cord gets the, unplugged. Gets unplugged. So Doc has to now climb up there. Doc clearly has the harder job. Yeah. <laughs> Marty's resetting the time and Marty's trying to figure out how to start. Like, he's like, Marty just has to get the car started. Even though that's like, that's way less to do than Doc. It's still the main thing Marty has to get this to happen. Yeah. Because otherwise he won't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's also here where Marty says, Doc's dropped the letter. Shit, what am I going to do? What am I talking about? I have a time machine. I can, I have yeah. all the time. I have all the time in the world. 10 minutes should be enough. It's not enough. Marty, Marty. you fucking dickhead. What are you thinking? <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah, I, hours. Yeah. <laughs> hours. Fuck. Oh, for your friend's life? <laughs> yeah. A week. Because <laughs> you know, the thing is, you know Doc's been gone for a week. Yeah. That's a week where you can fucking hang out and help him with his shit where you won't run into yourself because you're at school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fuck, Marty, you're so dumb. <laughs> Regardless. Yeah. Ten minutes. He's ten giving, minutes is what he gets himself. He gives himself ten minutes. And so, yeah, no. Music. God, the music. Because this is where, the, you know, for the first time we're hearing, like, the real full bombast. Like, this is the main theme. Yeah, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Oh God, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's yeah. It just again racks up so much of the adventure and the tension. Again, making you think the film yeah. is so much bigger than it is. For the scene, which is essentially uh, a teenager driving down a street and an old man plugging, plugging something, in. plugging something in. Yeah. When you boil it down, that's what's happening in this finale, and it's still exciting as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it still works, and yeah, no, I love. Yeah, no, I love what everything that Christopher Lloyd does in the sequence. Yeah. I love every facial reaction, every every you know, <laughs> everything's great. And even he gets to do a little kind of fun action hero thing where he slides down. It's all great. It's all good stuff. And then the lightning bolt finally hits the clock. Uh, I do love even Marty looking at Doc and thinking. Yeah. You can see he's thinking, "Fuck, fuck, this isn't gonna work." Yeah, something happened. Something went wrong. But I still have like, okay, I'm 88. I gotta make sure this gets it. Doc hits it, finally connects the last thing he needed to connect, and then lightning strikes. Lightning barely hits Doc's hands, and Marty does does travel back. Doc's ecstatic. He's in the middle of the tire, you know, the tire streaks of the flames. And I will always 
love this next cut. It's such a good fucking cut. It's such a good fucking cut. Doc looks up, finally go, ah, my, you know, it, it worked. And we cut to the time clock, cut yeah. to the clock tower. And then we see. We pan hel- down from the clock tower. Because we see a, then we, and we hear a helicopter. Oh, yeah. We see a helicopter fly above the clock tower. Then we pan down. And it's 1985. It's 1985. Yeah. So good do we want to talk about the homeless man and whether or not it is red thompson it's what the mayor from the 50s oh yeah i never thought of that's a thing oh you didn't know this i didn't know this so um there's controversy online about this because in the 50s the mayor of the 50s is named red thompson Mm. much like goldie wilson progress is his middle name (laughs) so when marty gets back in the 80s there's a there's a homeless man sleeping on the bench as marty is like looking over the 50s he says Oh, Red, you look great. He <laughs> says Red, which is the mayor's name from the 50s. Oh. So there's a lot of arguments on. But then it's also one of those things where people are saying like, oh, he's not actually saying Red. He's saying something else. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of debate. I think somewhere out there, there is something that someone has considered a definitive answer. My belief has always been that it is the mayor. Because I don't know, for some reason, that's fun to me. Because sure. I like seeing powerful people brought down to their knees. <laughs> um. I'll go with that. Yeah. yeah, I'm cool with that. Here's the reason why setting up to be 10 minutes before Marty is really stupid. One, car doesn't start because it never fucking starts because of course, Marty, you jackass. <laughs> Two, Marty abandons the DeLorean. Right. Not only doesn't lock it, mm-hmm. leaves the fucking door open yeah. in the middle of the goddamn street. Marty, <laughs> what are you, this is a time machine. <laughs> what are you doing? But also, no fucking wonder Biff was able to steal it in the next film. Also, how far are you from the mall? Yeah. Because that's that's my one where yeah. I'm like, even if you're going to drive, yeah. is it going to take 10 minutes just to drive there? Probably. <laughs> God, I that's just to drive Marty, there. You dick. At least he did. He did make it on foot. So I guess that implies it's not that far. So he runs over. We do see that the now it's Lone Pine Mall. And we get. Um, oh, because I, I said I was going to say it earlier. The ending in the original script of oh, how yeah. Marty gets back, and I, I believe this is in the book too, though mm-hmm. I, I could be misremembering. Marty needs a nuclear explosion That's to right. get back, mm-hmm. so he he goes to like the nuclear bomb test site, and he goes to like the the, the same fake town where he probably saw Indiana Jones running past him <laughs> into a into a lead lined refrigerator, and he uses the nuclear explosion to get back to the future. It's real buck wild. Is this also the draft where it's a it's more of a like a like a box like a fridge? I don't remember the I because I know in the book it's the, it is the DeLorean. I but can't in the original quite remember script? in the because I think that might have I think that might have been gone even by the time they first wrote a script. I think that might have just been okay. like in like outlines. Yeah, and then it was gone even by that point. I could be misremembering though. I definitely always remember hearing my mind being blown here. That was originally intended to be a like a yeah. box, like a fridge. Uh, at one point, it, and, it might have been in the original script. It's been some years since yeah. I've read of that. And I always find that to be always fascinating because I realize like part of the enjoyment of the film is the momentum of the of the DeLorean. And so the idea that you were going to do this Doctor Who thing, yeah, which is kind of funny because then like Bill and Ted ended up being in a box of its own. And, yeah, and that would make sense because I don't. I mean, nuclear explosion like powering a car is weird. Yeah. Um. So it, maybe it was the box. I, I like I said, it was it was many years ago. Anyway, so Marty does get there and he sees. We now see the events of the beginning of the film mm-hmm. on his perspective in a yeah. new perspective. We, Marty watches himself. Uh, being chased by the terrorists. But he also gets to see Doc die, which is kind of... It's a bummer. That's a bummer. And it's, it's again, Mar- Marty's look at his face is like, I fucked up mm. and I've already failed. I should have, I should have said it a week earlier. A week like earlier. Emily said, I should have listened to her. She was right. Yeah, so uh, Marty from the past runs into the, gets to the DeLorean and we basically see the events play out. 
Exactly the same in that regard. Except this time, yeah, we'd see the car travel back in the past, but then the the nationalists, the Libyans, yeah. they they now crash into the photo booth. And I the All photo die? I don't know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Never, I'm never see. Clear they on. actually they had a they had a, a similar device to a flux capacitor in their car, yeah. but instead of taking you out of time, it takes you out of the story. <laughs> and that's how it works. It's very and, it, and it's triggered upon hitting photo booths. It's very instead of 88 miles per hour, it's when you hit a photo booth. Yeah, it's very effective. Yeah. Um. So Marty then goes sadly now to check on the body of Doc Brown. But guess what happens? What he sits up because <laughs> he's alive. And uh, he's actually been wearing a bulletproof vest. I love this performance of Chris in this moment. Yeah. Like Christopher Lloyd in the scene. Because he's like, yeah, because yeah, side note, the giveaway would have been blood, but yeah. then he's wearing white, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, what I love about it is that Lloyd almost plays it like a silent actor. Like he does all just by expression. It's, Isn't it's it? big facial expressions and no words. Yeah. It really works. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's because Marty's just sitting there going like, how? And he's, he shrugs and he pulls out the letter, the letter taped up, taped up. And I love it. I yeah. love that. This is how he explains it to him. And it's, it's not no, no over dialogue, nothing. It's just doc basically going, eh. I figured what the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love that's his first line. But since he came back, it's because Barney does the whole, what about that whole talk of yeah. time? This being paradox, paradox. And he's like, I figured yeah. what the hell? Beautiful. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's, while you make the joke that Marty did leave the DeLorean in the middle of the town, I had a thought when I was watching this scene that there's a part of me that really liked the sweet idea of Doc and Marty walking back to pick up the DeLorean. That is a sweet idea, but like, I know, I know. Shut the door, maybe. I know, I know, I know. Well, like, he's also trying to make sure his friend doesn't get shot. Well, give yourself more than It's like minutes. Red's going to do anything. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I do. I do get it, but I do, I started thinking about that. It's a thought I never had, is the idea yeah. like, Doc and Marty going back to DeLorean and basically kind of doing a quick catch up. I like, I just started smiling. That is very nice. Like, I started smiling to myself about that. I don't want to see that scene. Yeah. I don't want someone to do that as a comic book. I don't need that to be visualized. Yeah. But I do like the idea of like, so, hey, so this is what happened. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. yeah. Nope. This happened. This happened. I said, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of nice. And yeah. They probably brought more plutonium to make sure the car ran. And then, yeah, he drops off. Uh, the next thing we see is, is Doc dropping off Marty. I, again, I love how everything's played out. It's, mm-hmm. it's Doc is just surprisingly quiet in these scenes. I kind of love that because yeah. he's so big and boisterous. And, and but there's something about this yeah. stuff where he's he's actually well, he has the wisdom of someone who has died and been brought back. Yeah, and is aware that this could have been the end for him, except yeah. for it wasn't for his friend. And the idea that he was looking forward to thirty years of finally catching up with him about this specific moment, because he knew this is the moment that Marty's going to finally do the thing. And I love it. It's very, it, <clears throat> it is very nice. And I always, yeah, okay, I always love the little detail of Marty going like, "Hey, be careful of the <laughs> yeah. of the reentry to kickbacks, pretty little bumpy." Yeah. Little bumpy. And he's like, "I'll keep that in mind." Yeah. You know, <laughs> beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's great. And Doc drives off, and I guess he traveled to eighty-eight. In that moment, and yeah. travel back in time in that moment to go to the future. Mm-hmm. We now get to Marty waking up. The house seems different. How different? It's a lot nicer. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but more surprisingly, isn't just the house is super nice, is yeah. that he sees his brother and sister, and his brother wearing a suit. His sister is also dressed yeah. far nicer. And he's like, What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. He says, What the hell is this? To which they responds, breakfast 
Um, That's a great moment. It's a great moment. And he's like, well, what's with the suit? It's like, well, I always wear a suit to the office. Pause. I got, I got some questions. I have a question too, and I bet you it's the same question. Should we count down from three and ask it? Yeah. Three, two, two one. one. Why, Why is he going is to work, work on Saturday? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Saturday? We know it's Saturday. Why is he going in the office? Also, do you... You still live at home? Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> like he's how? supposedly a successful businessman, and he's like definitely he's older than Marty, so he's like in his twenties, presumably. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. But you still live at home? Yeah. It, like, and he's thinking their house is nicer, but it's not a mansion, so no. it still looks like a regular size yeah. Southern California home. Very uh, odd. Very odd. Yeah. I, mean, I get it. Part of the deal. They just wanted the reveal, but uh, I also do like the re- the bit where he's talking to. To his sister and is like, I'm like, oh, who called? Is it this and this? I'm like, I can't keep track of your boyfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Implying that they're like, oh, no, she's very popular. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of questions with Dave. Well, Dave, you know, he goes to prison in the alternate timeline, too. So Dave is maybe a bit of a shifty character. That's probably not unlikely. <laughs> yeah. So Marty is trying to catch up with his reaction to this. And in comes. Yeah. In comes his parents. His mom and dad. From the, from the golf course. <laughs> in, in their backyard. How does it work? Because they, <laughs> they enter from the backyard and they also are the, the idea is that they've just, they, is it golf or maybe they just have played a sport. Yeah. They've played some kind of a sport. They've played a sport because uh, Lorraine is saying she wants a rematch and then George yeah. is sort of teasing her saying, Oh, did you cheat? Mari then kind of does a, a uh, I guess I was assumed golf, but it, it I, they don't explicitly say anything. It's a sport. Some sort of sport. Some yeah. sort of backyard sport. Badminton? Some sort of, pre-breakfast sport as well because <laughs> it's there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Mar- Marty does a callback to his uh, reaction to his mom in 1955 where he's yeah. proclaiming like, your mom, you're so, you're so thin. You're so thin. And, you know, she's like, oh, thanks, Marty. Yeah. You know? um, I got a great testament to everyone and the, the three actors again because yeah. not only did they have to play old versions of, of they these They have to characters, play alternate old versions. And they're, again, very different. And but very good. But very good. I know it's been kind of historically known that Crispin Glover hated doing this version of George McFly. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get it now, but yeah. it is it's definitely, a, I feel like I definitely have to point out like, yeah, Crispin really, really hated doing it. He hated playing this version of the character. But you know what? Even though he hated it, he did a really good job. He's really good in this couple of moments as this yeah, yeah. version of George. We also get the reveal that uh, Biff is still around. He works for them now. Yeah. Is that weird? Well, okay. <laughs> It's weird for so many different reasons. That's why, you know. Okay. So, well, Biff, he brings in, they've got a shipment of George's new book, A Match Made in Stars, whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Here's what's weird about Biff working for them. We know what Biff did. Yep. So it's super fucking weird that they would want him around at all. Right. B, Biff's, I don't know if it's explicitly revealed in this film, or maybe it's not revealed in the next film, but it's the name of his company is Biff's Auto Detailing. Things seem to have worked out well for Biff. <laughs> like, Biff owns his own business in this. Yeah. Like, why does Biff get a kind of a happy ending? It's weird because... Biff also seems to be a happier person in general. Like, he is kind of a shit who's, like, trying to sneak by with just one coat of wax instead of two like George wants. Don't con me now, Biff! (laughs) But in general, Biff seems to be a happier person. And that seems like bullshit to me that Biff gets to have kind of a happy ending. Here's the weird thing. It's like, you say happy. Well, in 2015, we've revealed that it's not happy. No, no, no. You say, but he's like, you say happy. And I'm not, let me point out, not saying that I'm disagreeing with that. Mm -hmm. But what's sort of funny is that like, again, when you think of how they wrote this, they think that having a regular job and a business that's not as fancy, you know, this is the 85-ness coming in, right? Mm -hmm. This is that Reagan era stuff that you and me are not comfortable with anymore. Mm -hmm. That having a a more personal homegrown business like this is uh, not as good as being a little more 
wealthy and having a like a day job and an True. office. True, and I guess like there's the weird the power dynamic shift is like supposed to be a yeah. bad thing. Yeah, and that's his punishment. He yeah. gets to he gets to be middle class. Yeah, which is if you I could yeah I did a kind of a weird shifty aisle. Uh huh. It's yeah it's weird. Marty gets his shitty truck. <laughs> um, but he does get to be back with Jennifer. Yes. Uh, Lorraine, again, she, Lorraine likes Jennifer now, my yes, dad, in this yeah. timeline. Lorraine likes Jennifer and is like pretty cool with them going up to the lake to fuck. Well, because she understands. Well, she probably has now told them. Well, now she's comfortable enough with herself that she's like, yeah, I parked in some car with boys. Oh, oh mom, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come to think of it, one of them looked a lot like you, Marty. Oh, that's no, nope. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Which is great because that's before he found out it was him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything seems fine. Everything's happy, Dory, until yeah. Doc comes back. He comes tearing into the driveway. He has a trash can on the way in. That, yeah. I really like that detail. <laughs> he comes out wearing something super ridiculous. Future clothes. Future clothes. I love the sunglasses. You got great. There's like future sort of wraparound sunglasses. A clear plastic tie. <laughs> great look. His big yellow coat. Big yellow coat. And clearly he doesn't need plutonium anymore well he's loading garbage into the car yeah he's 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 filling up now the now uh, newly installed mr. Fusion. mr fusion and i will say two things about mr fusion there's just a weird little move i like where he finds a can of beer yeah. in the in the trash and he plugs it with his finger because <laughs> somehow that's better <laughs> is to have the beer still contained in the can but then mm-hmm. he does he dumps it from the can and the thing and then puts the can in I like that. That was just a weird little detail character moment that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also the sound of things going into Mr. Fusion, I think is really great sound design. It's a great sound. It's a great sound. I agree. Sound. (laughs) He's the, yeah. And basically, you know, it's like he, he, he goes up to Doc and, you know, he goes up to Marty and, and and Jennifer is like, I'm like, 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 I need, something's wrong. Something's wrong in the future. Like, wow, what happened? Your kids. (laughs) He's like, what happened? Do we become, do we become assholes or something? I I do love that line. I forgot. I I, I didn't mean to skip over that. It's a good line. And then Marty, uh, Doc says, no, you're fine. It's your kids. Something has to be done about your kids. Yeah. (laughs) And of course that, that is the most noticeable, like intentional change when they reshot this for the intro to Back to the Future part two. Mm -hmm. Because when Marty says, do we become assholes or something, Doc then pauses for a second to be like, <laughs> well, sort of. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. because the, they had the, we, we sort of see what happened with them. Yeah. But no, it comes, you know, they both get into the car. Doc, you know, pulls into uh, the driveway. Mm-hmm. Marty's like, you got to pull back a little bit more if you're going to hit 88. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> well, he says, specifically, we, we don't have enough road Room. to get to 88. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then Doc says, where we're going, we don't need roads <laughs> glasses go down the wheels turn out mm-hmm. car goes in the sky yep and flies off right to the camera and i can't think of a better fucking way to end that movie no. <laughs> it is interesting too the thing that this scene was supposed to be just like a joke and yeah. like they weren't setting up a sequel yeah like like the joke was that they were setting up a sequel rather right the idea that there's a i love the idea that the bob's thought funny yeah. if we just implied there's more adventures yeah like they just ride off into the sunset <laughs> yeah and it is funny that when the universal did like we want a sequel there's like oh i mean yeah. i guess i guess it's good we did that yeah because there's we we have at least a starting point I, here's the thing here's so funny about the, uh, the idea that they didn't think about doing a sequel but yet obviously they had such a strong start for a sequel you decided that the delorean could fly yeah <laughs> Like, you didn't think we'd want to see that? The DeLorean, already cool as shit. Now it can fucking fly? Are and you the, kidding me? And the tires, like, go to the side, like, kind of mini. Yeah, it's like, so cool. Why would you Why would you not want to think I want to see more of that? Exactly. 
it also like it, it's one of the things where in retrospect it seems so so totally obvious that there will be a sequel because the movie's called Back to the Future and you never went to the fucking future in this film. <laughs> well, went to Marty's. You went to Doc's. Went to future. Doc's future, but you didn't go to the audience's future. That's true. Yeah. Which again, I I love this film, but like in hindsight, that does seem like a thing. Of like, well, of course you've got to have a sequel. And there we are. How long is this episode? <laughs> mm, this is four hours and six minutes. That's about. That's like, I I expected that. I, I plugs, please. Um, wrap up. Yeah. Final wrap, wrap up. up. We'll, we'll then we'll plug. What's your final thoughts about Back to the Future? I like it a lot. I think they're, they're... <laughs> that's an under fucking <laughs> statement. <laughs> I do enjoy this film. Um, I think there are elements of it that uh, maybe. I wish weren't the way they were, but I think overall it's, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's, it's something I can watch again and again and again, and I have watched again and again and again and just never get sick of it. Yeah. Um, same. And uh, for a film that's so, so important to me, it's the first one I remember my brother asking me like, what's your favorite movie? And I was like eight. Yeah. And all of a sudden I, I thought about it. It's weird. Star Wars and Back to the Future came very quickly in the brain, but then I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden, instead of saying Star Wars, I did say Back to the Future. Nice. From that point on, I realized that is my favorite movie of all time. And it will still be my favorite movie of all time. And even though, like, as you've, you've heard us in the episode, I will point out things that doesn't work for me anymore. But clearly, if we're still talking about it after four hours... Yeah. There's obviously some good in there. <laughs> I call it the, the, the standard of popcorn filmmaking. And I feel like when you look at how to do a popcorn film, an audience film, a film that will react well. The biggest lesson to learn from Back to the Future is don't treat them like idiots and make sure your characters work. And that's the biggest lesson to learn from Back to the Future. If you want an audience to love your movie, if you're going to make that kind of movie, yeah. make them love your characters. And yeah. Back to the Future succeeds to that in every fashion. Okay, plugs. I'll start. Or, yeah, 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 I'll go. Yeah, Looks go like ahead. you need a little... Go ahead. a little bit. Okay. Go ahead. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Justin Kizan, at uh, Instagram at Justin Quiz. I also uh, also do another podcast on this fine network called Nothing New, a remake podcast. Our newest episode is out. I, of course, do the show with Andrew Lindy. And by the time you hear our episode, our very long episode, we would have already done our episode on My Bloody Valentine because it's it's Valentine's Day this week. Also, don't be uh, don't uh, also don't forget to check out my uh, free web comic I do with the uh, writer artist Victor Kamba called Shining Yusha. If you like superhero stuff, and that's available on uh, superhero Power Rangery type stuff, so that's available on the Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, hey, if you also are still really into that stuff and you really like super, Japanese superheroes, be on the lookout on the um, the YouTube channel uh, Pop Culture Renegades and look up the show. Henshin Hangout. I will be, I am a co-host of that show in which we'll be reviewing the newest episode of the current Comrade show and the new Super Sentai show that's coming out, which is Super Sentai Power Rangers over here, called Lupin Ranger versus Pato Ranger. Um, that's, this is, a, this is the first for this franchise. It's two teams. Oh, wow. It's two teams fighting against each other because one's a thief-themed team mm. and the other are cops. That sounds cool. It's a. It looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm sorry I didn't have enthusiasm there. I'm so tired. I feel like I'm gonna throw up. I felt that. I felt that that sounds cool as legitimate. No, sorry, it did. It I was do, legitimate. I did, believe, I did believe you. Listen, listen. You're 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 running on fumes. I understand. It's one of those situations where I tried to summon the enthusiasm that like I truly I, like I feel like it does sound cool. Yeah. I couldn't sell the truth. 
That's what I'm right now. I can't sell the truth. I'm done. Go finish your plugs. <laughs> Go to BenVNetwork.com. Check out all the great shows on there. I, I He did a show with Andrew Lindsay. I also do a host show with Andrew Lindsay. It's called Super Mario Bros. Minute. We watched, we watched the Super Mario Brothers movie minute by minute, and we watch each minute the number of times that it is. We're in the 70s now, which means we watch about 140 minutes of Mario per week because oh. we watch... We watch Doobie Two a week. Holy crap! It's called the Super Mario Bros. Minute. It's a lot of fun. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cool Emily. Um, you can check out the episode of James Bonding about the man with the golden gun because I was on that. And hey, rate and review us on iTunes. That would be a good thing to help us to help help spread the word. Yeah, you're good. And remember, it's, it's so we gotta go back to the future. See ya. all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. And amusings are your musings. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Hi, I'm David. And I'm Kayla. And if it wasn't readily apparent from that, we're huge nerds about Disney. That's why we're doing the Animusings podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a film in detail from the Walt Disney Animation Studios filmography, covering them in chronological order, from Snow White to Moana and beyond. To Moana and beyond! Sweetie, we're not doing Pixar yet. We'll do that after. And that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Kayla and I, and maybe a guest or two, as we explore the Disney animated canon, film by film. With the hope that it'll be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Ooh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Walt. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.